Okay. Um, hello, room one. It's Monday, October 3rd at 5 p.m. PST. And we are here to get started with group coaching. So this is the start of our final quarter of the year. And so we're going to have some new members joining. And I don't really know kind of where people are in their um, journey and how much they already know about the techniques that we use. So I did want to talk a little bit about the model and just quickly go over the model and sort of the nuts and bolts of that. And then also um, invite people to kind of explore around on the website, the room one coaching. So you can find where we upload all of the content. And um, there are a couple of ways that I find it really easy to consume the content after the fact, which is one through the private podcast. We just really ask that people don't use Spotify we found out that there's a security breach through Spotify. So we want to continue just with Apple. Um, I'm not really aware of the other podcasting platforms, but I'm sure there are others. Um, and then actually what I re recently discovered is that Kajabi, which is our website platform host, has an app. So you can create a, a login through an app. You can just download the Kajabi app, K-A-J-A-B-I, right onto your phone. And then that will dump all of your library from room one onto the app. So you can actually see the videos and then any models we might write down um, right there. So that'll be an easy way for people to get access as well. Um, and then also we want to just review kind of some of our... Um, desires to maintain anonymity and we really value privacy. So we ask that you rename yourselves if you're going to comment in the chat box. Um, and then if you are going to volunteer for coaching, then if you haven't already renamed yourself, then either Kelly or I will rename you so that you, your privacy is protected. Um, and then from there, just whatever details you want to um, divulge is totally up to you, but I just recommend trying to keep things pretty generic for your home institutions and locations and stuff so that this um, can, you know, maintain sort of its level of safety for people. Um, so an easy way to rename yourself, I'm not sure what it looks like as an attendee, but I'm going to go in and rename somebody. If you click on your name, it should say more with a drop down box. Somebody showed up tonight with having renamed herself Chili Night. So I'm going to keep with that theme and we're going to do Warm Day there. And then let me rename, we'll do um, a Breezy. Oh my gosh, I can't spell Breezy. Breezy Morning. Okay. So I think everybody that is currently here is renamed. So now let's just briefly go over the model um, for anybody who is a new member, and this might be their first time listening. So let me just briefly review the model. And while I do that, if the people who are in attendance want to think about something they want to be coached on, oh my gosh, look at that. You can see my husband's mess. My chair was blocking it. You know my secret. There's a mess. <laughs> okay. So Kelly and I, we both got certifications through the Life Coach School. And while we have a lot of different tools, I feel like the backbone of this, of what we use is called the model. Again, this is not new, nothing new. Um, we just have this sort of like repackaged in a super convenient package where the circumstances are in the sea line here, circumstances. And those are the things that are outside of us um, that our brains are just trying to make sense of. It's kind of like the data that we, we take in outside of us. Sometimes we take in data from inside of us too. So I'll say that like if you have like a sensation that you feel in your brain is like, oh, that's something. It's anything that your brain has to kind of create a story about to make meaning out of it. That's a circumstance. And then circumstances will trigger us to have thoughts. We have like 60,000 thoughts a day. 
maybe women surgeons have more than that. I don't know. But these thoughts are super messy and they come like a storm sometimes. So when we're working out a model, typically we're trying to figure out like what thoughts come up relative to any given circumstance. Um, And then our thoughts will then uh, create feelings. And our feelings are really important because they signal to us what we desire, what we need, or kind of a value that we have. And uh, very often our feelings kind of serve as fuel for then what we do next. So that will lead to the next line of the model, which is actions or inactions or reactions. So our feelings will drive us to do something. And a lot of times that's where we're either resisting or um, avoiding or buffering or something when we're talking about maladaptive actions. Um, And then our actions will culminate in a result. And that's kind of like the lived experience for this circumstance. And what's super interesting is that the result will really just kind of tie back to prove the thought. It doesn't tie back to the circumstance necessarily, which is important because basically within this TFAR part, all of this is happening within within ourselves our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and our results. Like this is our lived experience here. And this is great because this is where we actually can kind of manipulate things a little bit, have a bit of agency and um, figure out how we want to show up to our circumstances. Okay. So that's a pretty basic model review. I'm noticing that my open window is very loud. So let me, um, close the window and then we have a volunteer and then we'll get rolling. Okay, so Chili Knight is volunteering. So let me allow Chili Knight to talk. Chili Knight sounds amazing. Sounds like cocoa and a fire. Hi, I am so sad that it's chilly. No! Um, Yes, I am like, so I moved here to where I am now like about a year ago, but I moved from a colder place. So I think it felt good and I was like, wait, where was like the transition period? It was 90 degrees, now it's like 60 degrees. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would love a warm day, but. (laughs) What can we help you with tonight, chilly night? Um, so I wanted to talk about, um, uh, the office manager um, for my group's satellite office and these interactions I've had with her recently, they're kind of similar to um, uh, a session someone recently did where they're like having issues with an office manager, but maybe less extreme. So um, she was the office manager for like 20 years for the mm-hmm. doctor who owned the, like the building before, you know, I guess my group bought it for him from him. So they kept her on just because of like her knowledge of the area. Mm-hmm. And you know, she definitely has some strengths. Like if you ask her, you know, if you say, hey, for billing, like we have to enter such and such a computer or this is how charts need to be prepped, she's like really good. But what I've noticed is like, if I'm asking her to do, because she also is an MA, um, mm-hmm. if I'm asking her to do things that like the MAs in our main office do, um, you know, just standard for me. She kind of gives me a lot of pushback. She doesn't want to do it. Um, when I've tried to talk to her about this twice, she has literally like thrown a tantrum, like started yelling and screaming, like slammed my office door, like did this in front of a patient room. And for one thing I had asked her to do, I finally got her to calm down and kind of explain to me what the problem was. And, mm-hmm. you know, then I said, okay, well, we won't make you do it if you're uncomfortable, but um, the junior partner had those same issues with her, like, you know, about eight months ago. Mm-hmm. We were having the same experience, and it seems like she has shaped up for him, but not for me. Um, and she's doing things where, like, she'll block my schedule and refuse to open it because she wants, like, an 
hour to an hour and a half for lunch. I'm like, that's ridiculous. 30 minutes is more than enough. Like I'm trying to build the practice the satellite office. Um, she has closed my afternoon schedule because our um, receptionist was training the junior partner's wife employees how to use like Freesia. And I was like, why are we closing down my clinic for this? Um, and then she'll say things like, oh, well, you know, I have to do this because you spend too much time in the room with the patients and the other doctors don't do that and whatever. And I'm like, it's a totally different, I'm a different subspecialty than my than the other partners are. So mm -hmm. our practices are just like very, very different. Mm -hmm. And the way I have built my reputation is, you know, like a lot of female surgeons, the ones who kind of listen to you. I'm not going to rush you out the door if I don't think you need to be rushed out the door. Mm -hmm. um, and that she is not helpful in trying to like, you know, get things going with the patients. Like it's the same diagnosis, the same thing I do over and over, but she's kind of unwilling to learn. Um, and so I had like not a great interaction recently with our junior partner. So I'm trying to kind of lay low a little bit, but you know, I'm just not sure like, how to handle this thing with this office manager where I'm like, well, you're actively trying to inhibit my practice, but I can't go and say anything to you because you'll throw a tantrum and then like tell the other doctors. Okay. Um, so can you clarify, I think it would be really helpful for me and also for everybody listening, if we could kind of hone in on one specific example and yeah. because it sounds like the problem is, is that you kind of um, see that she treats you differently than she treats this other person. Mm -hmm. And so do you have an example we can understand specifically where that happened? Sure. Um, we can say, um, you know, she, uh, she has like shut down my schedule around lunchtime and refuses to open the slots up for like urgent patients. Okay. So, and then, but she lets your partner receive urgent patients at lunch. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's also a partner. I'm not, um, but basically mm. he tells her she wants and she does it. and does not give him a hard time at all. Okay. So for the circumstance, we're going to say office manager closes clinic at lunch. Yeah. Um, but only for you. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you this. Do your other, do the other doctors in the clinic want to see patients at lunch? Sorry, you're cutting out a little bit. Do the other um, doctors, the other surgeons in your practice, do they want to see patients at lunch? Is it like normal? in the practice to see patients at lunch? So it's not necessarily at lunch. Um, they have slots that are open until like 1130. I did take, they usually tend to run like an hour behind. So I want my last slot to be 1115 so we can end clinic by 1215. And that way there's like more than enough time for lunch before clinic starts at one. So she allows them to see patients at like 1130, 1145, and then for me, she's shut down my schedule at 1045. And oh, like, okay. You didn't tell me about it, and she's refusing to open it back up. I figured it out on my own. Okay, and so this is great, because we just want to know the specifics. So we want to see, so she closes your template at 1045, and she closes their template at 1130 or 1145. Yeah. Okay. And so when you think about that, what, what comes up for you? You, you said the thought before you said she's actively trying to limit you or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Is that the thought that comes up? Yep. Okay. And when you think that thought, how do you feel? Um, I feel pretty frustrated. Um, cause I've spent a lot of effort trying to build my practice and it's, you know, doing better than everybody expected, but you know, here it's been hard to kind of get that satellite office off the ground. Yeah. And when you feel frustrated, then what do you do? Um, 
you know, it's almost like I kind of think like, what's the point? Like, why am I working so hard or like trying to kill myself or trying to get in arguments with staff? If like, you know, if if people are not on board with like trying to make us all successful. Um, and so basically it sounds like you're assuming that she's not on board. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's not, I don't know, but, but for now she, we're assuming that she's not on board. Um, are you judging her? Um, probably. Okay. Are you judging yourself? Oh. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm judging myself um and actually I'm trying to think like in terms of judging her like our practice manager has like made comments on how she kind of always wants to go home and like not really work so I'm like am I actually judging her or is this who she really is where she's just like not interested in hustling for everybody here yeah I mean who knows like we don't know maybe, maybe she is, or maybe she isn't. But like, I think what's important is how you spend your energy. And so you're spending your energy in a way that is like making this lady a problem. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to like say that she's not the problem because she actually might be doing the things that you're talking about, but we just want to understand like what your brain is doing and what that's creating for you in your life. So if, if you're judging her, fine. If you're not, that's fine too. Um, I also am kind of like trying to be super methodical about this model so that the new yeah. people who are listening are going to understand how to yeah. use this tool. Um, yeah. Because very often what we'll do is we'll be like ruminating about stuff. We'll be like, damn it. Mm-hmm. She's like totally sabotaging me. This lady's such a lazy piece, piece of crap. Like, why is she, why will she do all this for my, for my colleague? But then for me, and she's, and so then we were like, well, she's judging me because she thinks I take too long with my patients. And then it's like, we get into this sort of like little cycle. And I just wonder Mm -hmm. what your cycle looks like. Yeah. um, You know, I'm the kind of person that just likes to have a discussion with someone and nip the issue in the bud. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I can't because of her reactions. Um, and you know, the last thing right now, just because of like other recent interactions, the last thing I want her to do is like, go and, you know, tell the partners like, oh, she was mean to me or whatever, because she's done this before. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to ruminate about it or like, have feelings about it. I just want to discuss it. But, you know, she's not necessarily a reasonable person to discuss with. Yeah. Um, so now what's happened is I usually like going to that office because it is much more relaxed than my other office. It's kind of like the day I can turn my brain off. Mm-hmm. But now I kind of hate going there because I'm just like, what if there's an issue? I can't talk to her about it because she's just going to like throw a tantrum. Yeah. So it's like now you're dreading that office and then like we're basically like creating a very, um, like a palpable barrier between you and this other person. If you're like, well, I don't even want to talk to her because I don't want to deal with her reaction. I don't like, it's, it's going to be a waste of my time. Like this really sucks. It ends up then like impacting your experience of it, mm-hmm. you know? And so then the result ends up being like, she's, she really is like in your mind, the problem because it's like, she's the one who's like trying to, you know, shut this stuff down. And that might be true. Like, I don't Mm want to ever like make somebody think we're trying to like argue that that's not true. That actually might be true. We just want to understand like what you're thinking and how that impacts what you're feeling and how that impacts what you do and how that impacts like your experience of the whole thing. So, so then the result is like, you're proving that she's a problem, right? The result is we prove that she's a problem. Um, and I just have a couple questions here. Like, is it really true? Number one. And number two, what are you aware of any responsibilities 
that your group has set up with the personnel for certain lunch parameters. I asked this question because my own group has like really specific rules around when people take their lunch and how much time they get for their lunch and all that stuff. So I can totally see how somebody might be thinking they're actually doing the right thing, but not really understanding like the nuance of how we need to sometimes like stagger things across a lunch just so we can keep seeing patients. And um, so I wonder if there's any of that that could potentially be at play that there's like, she thinks she's working within her um, job description to kind of make these decisions. And is that true or not? Yes. Yeah, so um, apparently in like the group's bylaws or whatever, lunch is supposed to be 30 minutes. Okay. So she's trying to extend it out to an hour. And I'm going to get like, I never get to eat lunch except at this office. So I'm happy that we get to eat lunch, but it doesn't uh-huh. need to be for like an hour and a half. I mean, last week, the lunch break was over two hours because yeah. I finished seeing my patients so quickly. Yeah. Um, so there is the parameter of 30 minutes. But, you know, she's kind of wanting to do whatever she wants up there Um, in terms of like, well, I want an hour. Well, okay, that's fine. If you want an hour, then, you know, I can do my part to kind of hurry up a little bit. I actually asked her what uh, the other surgeon does to kind of get himself out so quickly. And I've kind of adopted some of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing these things so we can get done a little faster. So I would also like you to do certain things on your end to help get through patients faster and you know, that she didn't appreciate that, I guess. (laughs) Okay. So now that we kind of understand the lay of the land and we understand that like being frustrated is very, um, it's draining. I mean, for lack of a better way to talk about it's draining and it's like sucks and it makes you feel like you're stuck. Um, so if you had the option to, kind of show up any way you wanted or experience this with her knowing that we can't really change her necessarily how would you want to experience this um, office with her as the manager um I mean before I started getting busier a lot of all these problems have started in the last six months when I've like tripled my practice but Mm -hmm. before I started getting busier I really liked going up there because you know it's like I could almost use it as like an admin day between patients it was like you know, kind of nice. I would do some marketing stuff if I had time. Um, and okay, I'm busier now, so I can't necessarily do all those things, but I would still like to look at it as like the day, like my chill day of the week, um, instead of like, Oh God, I have to go deal with her again. So isn't it interesting how maybe you both have a little bit of a similar desire? Cause it sounds like she wants a chill day too. (laughs) <laughs> with an hour and a we half of lunch. Day. We can have an hour lunch. You don't need to have a two hour lunch. Yeah. Um, particularly um, because the way my schedule is now, it's getting harder for like new patients to come in and see me. So I'm just trying to like open up slots where I can, yeah. you know, to try to capture those patients. Yeah. So let's figure out where you have a little bit of agency. So you actually would desire to have it be a bit of a chill day, although you still are trying to, you know, build the practice and be available and all that stuff. I get it. And I think that that's doable. So if the result is you, you want it to be kind of your definition of a chill day, um, we're going to put that now. This is going to be so good for teaching the model. So have this clinic be a chill day. Is yeah, like I'm just, like I just finished in the OR before I logged on and I was like, oh, good. Tomorrow I get to go up there because I was like on call all weekend. So it's kind of hectic. Yeah. So I was like, I want to feel like, oh, good. I get to like go up there. Not, oh, goodness, that's to be a battle. Yeah. So what? Yeah, I mean, that's very different, right? When you're going into something thinking it's going to be a battle versus going into something thinking, yeah, this is the chill day. This is a good day. Mm -hmm. So what would you need to actually do to have your experience of it be a chill day? And you can Um, make this up. I would like a couple of things, like either I just, you know, um, 
sort of tamp down on my own internal hustle and just say, okay, I can like hustle at the main office, but I just like won't hustle up here or kind of like, you know, almost decrease my expectations of her. Like, okay, I'm not a partner, so I get treated differently. Like that's common for many people. Right. I'm, I'm labeling that give yourself a hustle break. I don't know if you can see what I'm writing here, but like, I, I know you, I think pretty well now after all these sessions and I do notice that you are a go-getter and like, you know, want to be busy and productive and stuff. But if what you desire is just a small break in a week or a month, then I think it's possible to give yourself permission to just kind of like give yourself a hustle break. That doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't see new patients or don't try to accommodate and all that other stuff, but certainly like those of us who are used to grinding it out, sometimes it's just nice to just be like, okay, I'm just going to breathe a little bit on this particular clinic, but it's like, we almost have to like give ourselves permission to just not be, you know, pedal to the metal all the time. And you can do that without her being involved at all. Now, you have an expectation of how this office manager is going to behave. And that's an example of us having a manual. We talked about that last week or two weeks ago. Um, But like, aside from that, it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with having expectations for how your support is going to help you in your own clinic. And sometimes those expectations are met and sometimes they aren't. But it is nice to be able to approach somebody without trepidation for how they're going to react. You know, because like in in the first model, it's like, I don't even want to talk to her because she's uh, because of how she's going to react. And it's like, she for sure treats my junior partner better than me. And it's like all these like thoughts around, you know, her and how crappy it's going to be to like be around her. And for sure, if you go into it thinking it's going to be crappy to be around her, it will be crappy to be around her. But if there is a possibility that there is, even even with you maintaining your expectations for her to do what you want her to do, it's like, well, you could be open to communication with her. Yeah, I mean, I guess I feel like I'm open, but I don't feel that she's open. So then it's like, okay, well, then how do you approach that kind of thing? Yeah, so we do this all the time where we're like, well, I'm open, but they're not open. So the minute we assume they're not open, then we close down. Mm-hmm. And and again, she may or may not be open. Like we have no control over her. But if you're open and you remain open, then that is going to give you a greater possibility of being able to communicate than going in. Like, I definitely do not want to be talking to her because of how she's going to react. It just gives you the tiniest little possibility that something might be different. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be different or not, but it just, it it just opens you up to the possibility. And then when you're experiencing your life leading up to it, you're not like living in dread. You're living in a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like, I like the way that sounds. Yeah. Because you're the one who's punished by living in the dread. She doesn't give a shit. <laughs> she doesn't even happy, know. I'm probably happy I don't go and talk to her anymore. Yeah. And she's it's like, she doesn't even know that, you know, that this is on your mind. Probably. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll just say be open to communication with the office manager, maybe look for common ground. I don't know, because she clearly wants a chill day too. I mean, I like her as a person. I feel like there's a lot of common ground. It's just like, you know, differing work ethics. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And again, I'm trying to emphasize this over and over for the people who are learning how to use this tool. It's like, um, I think it's a form of gaslighting to like make, to suggest to somebody that what they're experiencing isn't true because it very well may be true, but we can just figure out kind of how we can approach things so that our experience of the whole situation 
is what we want it to be rather than like dread or frustration. And then at, at the end of the day, maybe she still remains closed off, but you didn't have to experience it as so crappy in the moments leading up to it, like the day or week or whatever leading up to it. And then going through the day itself, you know, like that's her, then it just becomes her issue that really doesn't have to do with you. And, um, like ultimately then you, you figure out, okay, I know this is like a dead end and now I have to figure out a workaround, which sounds like would be your practice manager. Yeah. Okay. So how would you need to feel to do these things? Give yourself a hustle break, Um, open to communications with her, look for common ground. Um, I think I'd have to feel calm and not so worked up about it yeah calm and so what would you need to think to feel calm um that this is just gonna be my chill day and we're just gonna take it for that and if it if it ends up being a little busier great but if not then I'll just use it as like my chill half patient half active day okay cool so this is just gonna be a chill day like busy as icing on the cake Right. Like, because you like being busy, even if you want a chill day, you strike me as somebody who is like going to think that being busy is the icing on the cake. Yeah, I think I'm a masochist. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I have had like an awful two weeks, like with the schedule. And I was like, you should want the chill day tomorrow. Like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) I know. So this this actually brings up a little bit of a different kind of idea around productivity, but I'm super grateful that you brought this example to the group because it really helps us outline the model, like what a, what a default model looks like and what the intentional model looks like. And then understanding that the default models, there is nothing wrong with that. That is just what our brains want to do because our brains, that's what they do. They create a story that's usually negative because we're wired for negative bias and that's completely fine. That keeps us safe. It keeps us on our toes. It keeps us sharp. But at a certain point, you're like, wow, like I'm experiencing this frustration constantly. And it just feels like you're not getting anywhere. It just feels like you're stuck on a hamster wheel. And then to be able to be more intentional about things, it just comes from the prefrontal cortex. So In order to be able to be intentional about how you might approach a situation, it requires nervous system regulation so that those parts of your brain are actually coming online. Um, So I know you like to dance, chilly night. Um, And so there there are a number of things that people can do to kind of get their stress cycle to complete. So then they might be able to be more intentional about how they will approach the next time they're interfacing with whatever office manager and then um, then the next thing that I think probably is like a spinoff of this is the whole idea around productivity and speed and what our surgical culture has set as its values around what makes somebody good, which I think is complete bullshit. So like we've been indoctrinated into this culture where if you're a fast surgeon, you're a good surgeon. If you're a productive surgeon, you're a good surgeon. Like how many RVUs you can get somehow means that you're good. And I just think that's, this is an opportunity. Even if you like to be busy, that's fine. Like be as busy as you want, but like, why, like, why do we want to be so busy? Why do we value that level of productivity or speed or whatever. And this is really good for women to think about too, because sometimes women are very similar in their practices to men. And, you know, um, sometimes men are very similar in a traditional like woman's, I I, I don't want to get myself into trouble about gender stereotyping, but I think what we see more often is that women surgeons are so valued by their patients because they usually take time. They usually see them as a whole human being. They don't see them as like one more, you know, body part to just get through the mill. And um, that I don't think is as valued by the surgical culture on the whole. 
Um, anyway, I just like did a way big departure off of what you came here with, but I thought it was a nice opportunity to ask you to think about like productivity. What does it mean about you when you're busy and do you like your reasons? Yeah, um, I guess for me, uh, the reason that I'm kind of trying to hustle and be productive, um, it's not financials. I think I've actually like, um, covered my costs like for this first year of practice I'll find out in like a month or so Mm -hmm. Um, but for me because of my like early career interruptions with COVID Mm -hmm. I felt like skill wise I kind of not like fell behind but didn't get that chance as like a new attending two years ago to build up like everybody else did uh or you know like you usually do when you first start so I feel like now I'm um, making up for lost time. So mm. my hustle is really for, um, it's really for my own surgical experience. Like um, for the call I take, a lot of the surgeons for like uninsured patients will like send them out and make them go somewhere else. I'll admit them and operate on them. One, because, you know, I want them to get care. I don't want them like running around the city trying to figure out who's going to see them. Mm-hmm. But two, like for my own experience, my own skill set, I want to do the case. So um, there's yeah. a case that I do pretty frequently. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I knocked off 30 minutes from the tourniquet time. And then I knocked off another five minutes, like a week or two later. And the OR staff's like, wow, you're so speedy today. And I was like, this is just me getting those repetitions in. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's just mis- making up for lost time. Not because I'm like worried, like financially or anything. It's solely for me and my experience and just trying to make up for those two years that I, you know, kind of was not doing things on my own. So that's, I'm really delighted that you told us what your why is. And it sounds like you like your why, which is so important because it doesn't really matter what your why is. It's just as what really matters is that it works for you. Is it serving you? And then knowing that, like, And then knowing that you could have a chill day, which is something it sounds like you actually desire. Now you, you have clarity around how to rectify that, you know, like, I think it's, I think it's really great that you shared all that with us. So, um, well, hopefully this gives you some stuff to work with as you kind of approach this next interaction with the office manager and hopefully you can circle back and tell us how things go with her. (laughs) Sounds good. I'm going out there tomorrow. So I'll go in with this new attitude and see what happens. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So let's go ahead and disable talking for chilly night. And okay. That was awesome. I'm so glad we have the opportunity to kind of go through things methodically for the model. Um, A lot of times too, we want to really take a look at that default model where we are feeling something that's not pleasant and not necessarily get ourselves out of that feeling, but really try to learn from it and see, okay, like what can this show me about myself right now? That is important for me to know so that as I move forward, I'm like moving forward in my life in a way that really does serve me. Um, who's next? Who else has anything they'd like to talk about? We can probably fit one more in. We have a bunch of people on today, so hopefully there's something else. And uh, I had like a really epic coaching session with my own coach today. So I will just blab on about that if you guys, if nobody volunteers. Um, So I'll just start chit-chatting. And then if anybody has something that comes up that they would like to bring to the group, then please go ahead and just raise your hand or you can go into the chat and write your question. Um, okay. So I've been working with my own coach, a one-on-one for a while. And, and I'm also in the process of transitioning out of private practice and into, uh, having an, being an independent contractor, just so I can increase my own flexibility. And, um, so I'll be done with the group on October 31st. And what I was noticing is kind of this icky feeling in my body of just like, you know, sore shoulders, headache, backache. And I notice that usually when something's bothering me that I'm not entirely sure what it is, I'll start to feel these aches in my neck and back. So we were talking and and through some really interesting and kind of probative questions, she helped me figure out for myself that one of the things that has been 
weighing on me was the idea that I'm going to be inconveniencing people by leaving the group, inconveniencing my patients and inconveniencing my partners. And it was like, my mind was blown because suddenly I noticed that that has been something that I've done for my whole life is I've really spent energy trying to manage myself around the idea that I'm going to inconvenience another person. It's kind of like a different flavor of people pleasing. And now that I see it, I cannot unsee it. So I'm really looking forward now to the next month to when these times come up where I'm starting starting to feel like, oh, I'm thinking I'm worried about inconveniencing somebody and noticing what I do in response to that thought and that feeling, which is usually like placate. I inconvenience myself so that somebody else doesn't have to be inconvenienced. And then ask myself, well, why is it that I'm willing to diminish myself or inconvenience myself, inconvenience, yeah, inconvenience myself so that somebody else can be more comfortable or that somebody else can, you know, not be inconvenienced. And like, what would even happen if somebody was inconvenienced? And she asked me that question, what would even happen if, if somebody was inconvenienced because of something you said or did. And I said, I don't even know, because that's how much I try to bend over backwards to not inconvenience people. This was crazy. Um, so that's an example of knowing kind of what an underlying belief or an underlying thought that's like in your subconscious and how that might not even be, you might not have awareness of it and how profoundly that affects what you're feeling and then what you're actually doing and how much energy that's kind of draining out of you. And so now I have awareness of it. And since I have awareness of it, each time something comes up where I'm noticing this whole idea around inconvenience, um, I'm going to be able to learn more about myself. Like how much discomfort am I willing to be in with the idea that somebody else might be inconvenienced? Like This is just blowing my mind. I'm kind of excited about it. Um, okay. Well, we have like 20 more minutes, you guys, if there's something else, anybody wants to talk about anything that's come up recently, um, any questions about the model, uh, any questions about the website or navigating it, um, anything at all. I'll just wait a few minutes. And then honestly, if people, if you don't have anything you want coaching on, um, we can just have a conversation or we can just cut it short. It's whatever you guys want. All right, here we go. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm not crying. I'm just sick, but or I changed my voice for this. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, There's some nasty thing going around. I know. It's not COVID, thank God, I but know. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> I think it's influenza A. It hit our house. Oh, yeah. man. I just sat next to a really snotty kid this weekend, and I knew. You know what I mean? It mm -hmm. didn't take long. I just knew. I knew it was going to yeah. happen. Yeah. So um, what's how can I help you? Um, I guess like, I don't know if the model applies to this, but I would love some insight. Um, my partner that I've been dating for over two years, we're like pretty close. He's older than I am. Um, and it's been a great relationship. It's not a problem for mm -hmm. the most part, but I don't know. I think what's been happening more often I've been really busy lately. He hates his job. He's non-medical. Mm -hmm. And we're running into this issue where our, like, I don't want to say fighting because fighting makes it sound like our arguing styles, I guess, are very different. Mm -hmm. And I find myself being much more surgeon-like than I would have thought I would have been where there's a disagreement and I'm like, okay, what's the point? Like, like what, like, what do you, what do you want to get across? 
like, this is what I'm upset about. What do you want to get across and how can we meet in the middle? Mm -hmm. But he does this thing where he'll just repeat the same thing over and over and over and over again. So it's literally meaningless. Like almost like, you know, when you say a word over and over and over again, and you like, it doesn't even seem like a word anymore, mm-hmm. but like put that to like five minute story and it's infuriating. It's such a waste of time, which is unfair. And I know it's unfair and I'm never like that to my patients. And I do not understand why I cannot give him the same like you know three hours to get some story out about you know what they did over the weekend at the farmer's market you know what I mean and he's clearly trying to tell me something but I cannot understand because it doesn't seem important and it sounds so bad I I'm only being this honest because I feel like I can be here but I guess I need to like get out of that mindset, but I can't. And he, and then he starts on the cycle again, like telling the same story and I lose it. I completely lose it. I mean, lose it in the sense that I like have to walk away because I'm getting so frustrated. I don't really yell. It's not, it's not my jam, but I would like, I would love some input on this because I, it's getting worse. (laughs) So is there an example of like, is it a word that he repeats or a story he tells over and over? Like, I guess the best example is that like, there it's always something stupid too like we agree on religion you know marriage everything anything politics but you name it it's big but for example I was driving this weekend we were driving to Target because my dog puked on the rug and we needed to get carpet cleaner and I was talking to him and I was the one driving and a truck just blew a red light but it had nothing to do with us we were safe we were completely out of the way and he like stared and was not listening to me and I he then asked me what I said and I was like oh nothing it wasn't important and he got so mad he got so amped up and I was like you need to calm down like this has nothing to like you know there's nothing to get angry about he's like no you always get offended you always do this and I swear to god I would tell you guys the truth I was not offended (laughs) like not even a little bit but then when we finally get to target, we're sitting there and he keeps repeating the story over and over again about how we were at the intersection and I got mad because he was paying attention to the truck. And he kept saying that same sentence over and over again, like 10 times, two minutes. Mm. And I like, there's a scene in the book, the giver, and there's like a funeral procession where they just keep saying this one person's name over and over and over again to like release them into, I don't know, the ethos or something. And that's all I can think about. I'm like, you're rendering any part of this meaningless, but he's clearly getting meaning out of it. But it, it's almost like that makes me mad. Like the whole, the, the fact that it's such a stupid argument makes me mad. Okay. So I put in the C line. He said, you're mad about the truck. Like yes. over and over. So we'll say yeah, like over. What, 10 times. Was it 10 uh, no, times? Five times? Like, like 30, like 30. Okay. Times. 30 times. And then what comes, you said several thoughts there that I thought would be interesting to talk about, but like one is like, this is meaningless or one is, this is so stupid. Um, yes. Like what's the thought though, that like kind of rises above the others. Really what the resounding thing is, what's the point? Like, what are what's you getting point? to? Yeah. Okay. So basically is it, you have no point or is it, um, there is no point there is no point. There I guess is, is no there. point. Yes. No, but that's not even fair. Like, I want to give him credit. Like, I want to be like, he's upset about something valid, you know? But I, but the more he talks, the the dumber I find the whole argument to be. Does that make sense? I that's don't know. That's the thought right there. The more yes. he talks, the dumber this gets. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay, perfect. That's, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> so, you know, I totally understand how you want to give this dude the benefit of the doubt. You care about this person. I get it. Yes. But like, also it's okay that you're like, this is fucking stupid. Yes. Oh my God. It's so fucking stupid. It drives me crazy. I can't, I can't do it sometimes. <laughs> and I, I'm, I guess I'm just confessing thoughts now, but sometimes I'm like, if you knew that people are dying all the time, like, would you really perseverate on this? <laughs> like, yeah. like, if you knew what I knew or if you saw what I saw, and it's not even that something bad happened that day. I work in a field with a lot of cancer and a lot of like really bad situations and stuff like that. And like emotionally, I'm like, well, it could handle it. But part of me is like, do you just lack perspective? Like, 
is this really that important to you? But I want to think that there's more to it, but maybe that's, yeah. maybe that's not true. Um, so this is really good because like, this is what we do. We're mm-hmm. constantly judging people and that's okay. That's like what we, you have to be able to judge. You have to, because yeah. otherwise like you're trying to make sense of everything. How else can you make sense? So when you think the thought, the more he talks, the dumber this gets, what, what, how does that make you feel when you think that? So I get really angry, but I grew up in a really like, really like loud and angry household. Mm-hmm. So I, I he says that I pretend to be calm and that that makes him really want to get a rise out of me or something but I just like I try to be like okay like what are you upset about like I like you know I apologize if you know I I just it it makes me feel exasperated I think is the thing exasperated is the word exasperated okay so when you feel exasperated Uh um what do you do I already wrote down a couple things I don't know if you can see this but Mm -hmm. um like you judge him because you're like, if you yes. knew what, if you just knew what I know, or you lack perspective, it's like, you're just yeah. making assumptions about him, which may, yes. may be true, but maybe not. Yes. Um, what else do you do when you're exasperated? Well, inevitably what happens is that I can keep like a cool face or like, I can like keep calm for like up to like an hour of this, like perseverating mm-hmm. over something so dumb. And then one of two things happens. Either I find a way to like leave. He gets like really not like leave in general. I used, (laughs) I used to just like leave and go like to another place. Now I'll like go take the dog on a walk or I'll go to a different room or whatever, which I know makes him really upset because he wants to like talk it out right then and there. But it seems Mm -hmm. like everyone's nervous system is just too amped up to handle that. Mm -hmm. Or lately what's been happening the last like two times this happened is that I just burst like I will just be like you know I'll be like like back off I would I scream back off and I don't I don't yell I don't really know how to yell um but I just I burst out with anger being like back off that's that's pretty much it I don't and then you know that inevitably turns into some sort of fight because he'll be like you know why are you talking to me like that and it sounds really toxic now that I'm saying it out loud it's but it's not it's not that bad. It just diffuses so quickly afterwards. And then he feels really bad and he apologizes and stuff. And, but it's not a good cycle. And, and mm-hmm. I think I, I, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I think there must be something about what I'm saying or doing that like triggers this like response in him to make sure that I understand what he's saying. So like, I wonder like, would I be better off like being like, okay, I understand that you're upset about xyz like is that correct (laughs) you know what I mean like yeah to be like I get it I still think it's stupid though that's that's the problem I I I still think it's a stupid thing to get upset about (laughs) (laughs) sorry so (laughs) let me just clarify something yes you think it's stupid that he gets upset that you See, it's even hard to put in words. I think it's stupid that he gets upset over over something that he perceived that didn't even happen. So it's not even that I said I'm mad or I'm offended that you weren't listening to me when you were watching this truck or whatever. He's always been easily distractible. If I if that part of him really drove me crazy, I wouldn't have been with him. I wouldn't have wasted this many years with him. And I like I think maybe I'm just a like I'm thinking a couple steps ahead maybe and I'm just like well that's mm-hmm. maybe like that's the that's why I'm getting frustrated because I'm like no we've already like we've already covered this like we've, we've already I've known this about you like why yeah. would this all of a sudden be a problem so um I am making a model here because yes. the end result of all this ends up being that like it gets dumber <laughs> it gets dumber and I finally and it's and his argument's like you're mad and I'm not mad but then he keeps saying it so much that I am mad at the end of it so I'm like why like like he yes. makes me mad in the process and I think that moment is like kind of like a gotcha moment like see I knew you were mad and I'm like no but I wasn't <laughs> like I and it wouldn't I wouldn't have brought this up if it this wasn't like the second or third time that it happens in like yeah. a month 
and it's going to be the death of me. <laughs> like I can't so, keep doing this. It makes me so grumpy. I think that these are really important things to consider because these are the little moments of life that are seemingly yeah. mundane that add up. It's like a death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. So, um, I like to think of like human communication in terms of like energies where you can very often kind of sense like an energy coming off of somebody like, and it may not even be, um, it may not even be like this energy coming out of you. He, I think he might be confused about where your anger energy is coming from. Mm-hmm. Like he, he thinks you're, um, I'm sorry. I'm still confused about how it's going down. So he's, <laughs> he has like the repeating the bunch of times and that's what bothers you. It's like, damn it. Like yes. just move on. This is not that big a deal. Absolutely. That's what, that's what makes me mad. But he, in that moment in his repeating, he's trying to explain to me how I was mad in that moment. Right. And it's so, and it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? Yes. Like he's, like, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's how it's going down. Right. And so he's actually perceiving from you anger, probably, because mm-hmm. it's like this cloud of energy is like an aura, practically. Yeah. And you're perceiving his aura. Like yes. he's giving off this aura that's like whatever, like, because that's his model. So yes. whatever his model is, like, we can put him repeating it 30 times in the action line. He's mm-hmm. got a feeling that's driving that, which is who knows? Like, what do you think his feeling is that's making him repeat the thing 30 times? Um, I, I don't know. I honestly, I've thought about this a lot and, you know, at my age, like being with someone for two years, you kind of wonder if you should be with someone or not in general, if you're having these kind of issues, but I think he's a little insecure. Like, I really do think that like, I think he, I think he holds the profession, the surgery profession to like a certain standard. And I don't think he's been with someone that has done something like that before. And I think that it kind of is like him being like, no, like I'm like, I'm important too, or how I feel or like the world doesn't like revolve around you or like, I feel, you know what I mean? But he won't, if he said that, I think that would be different. (laughs) Like, I think that would be a different argument, but instead I have to hear about this stupid fucking truck for like 30, sorry, excuse my language, this stupid truck for like 30 times in a row. Mm Mm-hmm. But so insecure is really perceptive. So like, let's just, we don't know if that's true or not, but let's just assume that it is. So yes. he feels insecure. And so what's he thinking that makes him feel insecure? She doesn't think I'm very important. Yes, probably. Right. Okay. This is yeah. great because like, think about it. If he feel, if he's thinking he's, which really what that means is, is he doesn't think he's that important. Yes. Right. Because the the thought is always the meaning that we make about it, about ourselves. It's like he, he might be thinking like she doesn't think I'm that important or she doesn't value me or whatever. But he's really telling himself as I don't think I'm that important. So he feels insecure. And then he's yeah. repeating this thing 20, 30 times and he's proving to him. And then obviously you're not, you know, like responding well to that. And so it basically he's he's proving his own self-fulfilling prophecy and you're doing your own self-fulfilling prophecy. This is like classic, classic human interaction. So, but now you have awareness. Like now yes. you know this is probably what's going on. So now he's just going to continue to repeat shit because we can't, we can't control his insecurity. Like that's yeah. for him to work out. But if you desire to be with this person and you mm-hmm. like, you know, want to, experience this differently what would what how do you want to experience it I mean I have tried a couple of different things like I like when this first started I was like well you know we we had resolved the issue or at least neither one of us were mad about it anymore and I remember being like how do we handle that next time because that's not acceptable (laughs) like I don't want to do that anymore he'd be like oh no it's not going to happen again and like it's now happened like several times so Mm -hmm. And every time, and it's almost like when I bring it up, like I brought it up again. I'm like, it happened again. Like, how do we get through it? And he, and he's just like, he tells me I have unrealistic expectations of arguments and that they're not that big of a deal. But I think he came, I think we both came from angry families, like angry, loud, like screamy families. 
And it made me want to be like, no, I'm not doing this. And I think he just got really comfortable in it. And for him, these things aren't a big deal. But for me, like, it really kind of rocks my homeostasis. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel good for like a day or two. Um, That's really good information. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe it's not like, and you bring up a really good point about how we like learn how to manage this conflict based on our earliest experiences. And that's all kind of set by the time we're like 10 ish. Yeah. So, you know, what, just taking a look at this in a more methodical way, just gives you lots of information. It's like, oh, okay. Now I see, I see there could be these feelings at play for me and for him. And there could be these differences in the way we have learned how to handle conflict. And it's like, you can approach that with fascination and curiosity and even compassion for yourself and for him. And all of those things might make it easier to approach any future communication with um, like less of a barrier, I guess, or less of that aura that kind of that we project when we're feeling a certain way. Yeah. But that's only if that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess for like sustainability wise, from my standpoint is that I think I need him to buy into like figuring out a calmer way to do this because I'm not, I don't have the protoplasm for one of these, like every couple weeks. Yeah. There now that thought too, I need him to buy in to a calmer way like that. That might be another thought to take a look at because Mm -hmm. anytime we're like placing our okayness in the hands of somebody else, we can be sure to be disappointed now. Absolutely. Yes. Maybe it would be amazing if he would be introspective and want to work with you and try. And and ultimately that would probably be like the goal. However, we can't control whether or not he does that. So for you to put your security in whether or not he is going to figure out a calmer way, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, maybe it would be worth considering like, oh, I'm open. I'm open to figuring mm-hmm. out a calmer way to be. Yeah. Right. Like if we just are like, oh man, I really don't know what, if anything, he would do differently. Mm-hmm. It would be really great if he would be calmer. However, Like right now, I want to have a calmer experience. So I'm open. I just say that because we're really, really entrenched in our beliefs. It's like, all you have to be is willing. Yeah. I'm I'm willing to figure out a calmer way for my responsibility here. Yeah. I'm just, I'm worried that if I approach him with like the, like I've thought before I've been like, okay, what, like when this is starting, when the cycle starts being like, okay. Like, what is it going to take for, to make this stop? But that sounds so condescending, right? Like, and that's not really what I want to do either. Yeah. And I wish it was something important. I wish it was like a core relationship issue because then I'd be like, oh, like we, we need to figure this out. But you're right. It is like a mundane, like nothing moment. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> this is crazy. It is. And that's what's strung together for a lifetime of experience. Yeah. So, um, like you just brought up so many good things that, um, are really worth taking a look at. Like you just want it to stop. Yeah. You just want to, you know, like, it sounds like there's a lot in within yourself and your experience of this circumstance that you actually could really, really, um, learn a different way to experience it. Without him having to change anything. And the funny thing is, is that usually when we figure out ourselves, other people respond to that in a much more favorable way. Um, So like those statements that you just mentioned, like, I just need it to stop. I just want to stop. Like, like, what does that look like? Or what would the calmer experience of it even look like? Like, yeah. Sometimes we haven't even given our chance ourselves a chance to just even brainstorm about what we might want, Mm -hmm. you know, and how can you communicate what you want or what you need if you don't know? That's super fair. Like that's, that's very fair. Yeah. And then once you're able to kind of really, and I always say with curiosity and compassion for yourself, 
because you also had an experience that is informing how, you know, your, your early experience is now informing how you're coming to this. And it's like, oh, you can have compassion for that person too. Mm -hmm. No, it's like, ah, like this is a chance for us to really figure out what we need. Like, what do I need right now to feel safe? What do I need right now to feel not homicidal? (laughs) Like, what do I need? Maybe what I need is like to be out of this car. Maybe what I need is like three minutes to just take a deep breath. Maybe what I need is, you know, X, you fill in the blank, but I don't even know what that would look like for you. And so Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be amazing if you knew how to meet your own needs and then also to communicate that to your partner to be like, you know what, it's inevitable that we are going to have arguments like who doesn't. Yeah. And what I'm noticing about myself in these situations is that this is what comes up and this is what will really help me in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to do some like thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) I know. Okay. So we went so much. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Um, so I love talking about this stuff. It's so fun. Uh, okay. So that takes us to 606. I hope you guys have a great rest of your night and, um, we'll see you. I think I'll see you guys in two Wednesdays. Okay. Thanks for volunteering. Have a good one.